We are uh, in the beginning parts of a sermon series called Heaven, Hell, and End Times. And today we're really going to talk more about heaven than anything in the weeks ahead. The next few weeks after that, we're going to be really looking into the book of Revelation. How many of you have ever read the book of Revelation? All right, keep your hand raised if you understand it. Yeah? Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I understand it. I have perfected. No, no. The commentary that I have on the book of Revelation is bigger than the Bible. It's like, tw- and it's 1,200 pages, and it's all, ac- it, it reads way more difficult than the Bible does. It's just like, it's, it's, oh, um, it, it's, but it's amazing. I'm actually really, really excited about this, and um, not that I have like landed the plane and understand the book of Revelation and have cracked the code. Um, but I, I think we're going to talk about how the book of Revelation is, is not about cracking the code. It's, it's about how we should live right here and right now. And so getting ahead of myself, that's, that's next week. Um, but today we're going to talk about heaven. And I want to start with this question. This question of when do you and I, when do we experience heaven? When do we experience heaven? Or, or maybe put it this way. Someone says to you, um, comes up to you, maybe they are just kind of new to this Jesus thing or they haven't really read a Bible before. They're like, so tell me about heaven. When do I experience heaven? What, what is heaven even going to be like? What would you say to them? Think about that for a moment. Um, I'm going to kind of use a, a picture here or a set of different pictures that I stole from my favorite person, Tim Mackey. Um, but he gives some images that I think are very helpful that redefine how, um, how we ought to think about heaven. Because the way that Jesus talked about heaven, the way that Jesus talked about you and I experiencing heaven may not be the way that you were kind of, you know, you grew up and you were taught. And, and so here's, here's kind of the picture that we have is we have this picture of heaven and earth kind of like these two separate spaces. And, and, and so we, when we think about heaven, a lot of us, we go to, you know, John 3.16. Heaven is making this decision to trust in Jesus as my Savior. And then once, you know, I die, rest in peace... There's my tomb. There you go. Maybe some flower, red flowers. Oh, yellow flowers here. And once I, once I die, once I die, once you die, then, okay, hey, then I've experienced heaven. Then I will experience heaven. How many of you, this is, this is more or less kind of the, the understanding you've had about heaven. Heaven is something that I, I will experience when I, when I die. Yeah? Anyone? Anyone? And, and so this, this, is, this is how we frame up heaven. This is how we think about heaven. Heaven is something that, um, that I will experience, and, I, and I, I only will experience it when I die. And so the goal right here, right now, the goal right here, right now on earth is that John 3.16, okay, trust, I need to believe in Jesus as my Savior, and then I like get my metaphorical ticket to heaven, or we can use the biblical language of my name's written in the book of life, and, and it's like, oh, my name's written in the book of life, and then we're like, what else am I going to do for the next 30 or 40 years? Or for some of you, you know, 50 or 60, or for some of you, a couple of months, whatever, whatever it might be. And our natural assumption is, well, I suppose I should live a moral life, right? 
My name's written in the book of life. I'll experience heaven then, and until then, I should just kind of more or less live a moral life. So, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 4. So here's what happens when you open up the first chapter of the book of Matthew. The first two chapters are about Jesus' birth, describes how Jesus is born, and then chapter 3 is about this guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, his whole role is to prepare the way for Jesus. It's, it's, it's kind of like he's laying out the red carpet for Jesus. He's um, announcing, hey, there's going to be this guy that's going to come. His, his name's Jesus, and you, you're really going to want to pay attention to him. And in chapter 4, Jesus shows up on the scene. And he begins his public ministry. And when I say public ministry, he begins where um, he, he begins the opportunity he has to, to teach publicly to, to people. And what is the very first thing he says? If you look at verse 17, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, this is the very beginning, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven, now that that is just a, a, a sweet way of just talking about heaven. The kingdom of heaven, what does it say? Is at hand. Or you could say, the kingdom of heaven, it is near. Um, the kingdom of heaven, it is, it is before you. Um, so in, in my Bible, um, it, specifically, it says this same exact thing in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1. Um, Mark uses the phrase, the kingdom of God. Whenever you see kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God or the kingdom of the gospel, it's, it's the same thing. It's speaking about the kingdom of heaven. But but in, in, in my Bible, when I got to Mark chapter 1, where Jesus says this same exact thing, I just simply wrote this, right now. And I even wrote an exclamation point. If you read my text messages, I'm, I'm in love with exclamation points. It's just exclamation point all over the place. But it's very well deserved here because, listen, what is Jesus saying? Is Jesus saying, hey, you know that way that you think about heaven? We're like, we're, we're like on earth and you're only going to experience heaven when you die. He says, no, no, no. You, that's not the right way to think about it. He's saying, the kingdom of heaven, it's right before you. The kingdom of heaven, it's right here, it's right now. The kingdom of heaven, it is right here, right now for you to begin to both experience and get this. Even participate in. The kingdom of heaven is not merely something you experience when you die. It starts right here. It starts right now. Now, for us to really wrap our minds around what Jesus is saying and what this means for you and I, we, we actually have to go all the way back to the beginning where you go to the book of Genesis. Now, in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, what is the picture of heaven and earth? If, if, if heaven and earth, if we see heaven and earth is two different spaces, when you look at Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and the beginning of Genesis chapter 3, are these two spaces completely separate, separate or what? Or are they together? They're, they're completely overlapping, are they not? And, and so here's my way of describing heaven and earth when you look at Genesis. It's, it's, it's like this. They are, they are together. They are overlapping. 
where you have heaven and earth coming together. Now, here's what I want us to pay attention to, because I think it helps us very significantly to understand what it means for you and I when Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is right before you. It's at at hand. Taste, see, experience, walk in, right here. I I think we can understand that far more better when, when we look at the very beginning where heaven and earth are completely overlapping. And specifically looking at what is the role God gives you and I in the kingdom of heaven in Genesis 1 and 2? And so we see really two pictures of our role here. It says, then God said, let us make man, man and woman here, in our image, after our likeness. So for us to understand what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 4, we have to understand the way that God created you and I. And what does he say? He says, there's something unique and there's something distinct about you and I. We're not like any other aspects of God's creation. And here's what's unique and here's what's distinct. God creates us in his image. (laughs) Now, what in the world does that even mean? I think um, it's easy for us to, to think, oh, is this talking about like um, we are created in God's image and, and, and the image is all exterior? So I have, I have hands and I have feet and a, and, and a mouth and, and I have hair, at least for now, and I, I have a body. So therefore, if I'm made in the image and in the likeness of God, so therefore God looks something, something close to this. Is that, is that what God means when he says, I, I made you in my image? No. Rather, what this means is it has far more to do with our purpose. That when we are made in the image of God, it means that God made you and I for the purpose to bear his image. God created you and I for the purpose of bearing who he is. A God of love, a God of justice, a God of mercy, a God of just profound beauty, a a creator God, that God created you and I for the purpose of reflecting everything of who he is. And so this is what this might look like, is that someone would look at you, or let's just pick on me for a moment, that someone would look at me, and what they would see is not Zach Dunkley. What they would see is the beauty of God. What they would see is the justice of God. That people would would look at me and see something about God. And, And if you read the New Testament, if you read about Jesus, here's what you'll find. Whenever Jesus does something incredible, I was reading this in Mark chapter 2. Jesus heals this guy. And this guy walks and it says that everyone is amazed And they gave glory to God. They saw what Jesus did and they said, God is awesome. You know the problem we have? We've built a culture. You could call it an Instagram culture. You could call it a Facebook culture. You could call it a Twitter culture. We have created a culture that says, look at me and say how awesome I am. 
And God says, but I didn't create you for that purpose. I created you so that when people look at you, they see me. That you would live in such a way that, that people wouldn't give glory to Zach. Oh, you're so awesome. You're so great. Oh, that, that was such a great sermon. As much as I love hearing that, ah, don't say that to me. Say something like this. Glory to God. He, holy smokes. He, he used a broken vessel today. Holy, my goodness. God created us to act and live in such a way that people would see him through us. Or if I can just give one more word picture, it, it's, it's like this. Um, I went to the 9-11 memorial. If you have not been, next time you're in New York, this is what you got to do, and also eat at a couple different places too. But this is, this is, at, the top, this is at the top of the list. So this is a picture of the 9-11 memorial, right here. Now, um, we're actually growing up in a generation where there's, my kids were not, my kids, they didn't experience this. They were actually quite removed from 9-11. So imagine you have someone who goes to the 9-11 memorial. Now there's two of these pools just like this. You have someone who goes to the 9-11 memorial and they have no idea what happened on 9-11-2001. No idea. If they go to this memorial, they are going to be blown away by its beauty in and of itself. Especially when you go to the location. It's like, it's near Wall Street. You've got all these high-rises. And you go to this prime real estate that could be used for massive high-rises and businesses. And instead, it is, it, is, it is used for like these waterfalls. And if you have no concept of 9-11, you'll go there and go, this, this is incredible. This is beautiful. In and of itself, it's beautiful. But when you have a concept of 9-11... Like probably every single one of you do. I can remember where I was at. You go there, and you notice not only is this beautiful in and of itself, because you got these waterfalls. You in the background, you, you see like these trees in the background. You'll even come across this one tree that looks like it shouldn't even be there. It, it doesn't even belong. It doesn't look like the other ones. It's kind of got like a a fence around it guarding it. And if you go there and you have nine eleven in mind, you are not just going. This is beautiful in and of itself. You are realizing that every single piece of architecture is pointing you to that event on 9-11. The very fact that they didn't build high-rises, but instead it goes down into the ground is a reminder, oh my goodness, these buildings fell down. Or when you read the names that are around it, especially the ones that, that signify police officer or firefighter, you are reminded, oh my goodness, those are the people who gave their lives. Or you go to this tree that, frankly, it looks ugly and not beautiful like the other ones, you realize this was the only tree that survived. And so when you go there, everything about the architecture points you to that day. Everything about it. And God is saying, I created you for the purpose that people wouldn't think, oh, they are just so beautiful in and of themselves. They're so great in and of themselves. But you and I were created to point everyone to the beauty and the justice and the grace and the mercy of God. We, we were created to point people to the kingdom of heaven. And then, this is, this is incredible, 
if you go back to Genesis 126, okay, we were created in his image and we were created in his likeness. And, and let them have dominion. Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth. So over everything. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And in other words, God is saying, okay, not only have I um, created you in such a way that you would constantly point people to me, but here's more specifically what it's going to look like. Here's how you're going to point people to me. You're going to have dominion over the earth. So... Um, Another way you can translate this word dominion is rule. You are to rule over everything on the earth. Now, um, we live in a context now where whenever we think of rulers, that's usually not a positive idea. Usually we we think uh, ruler, ooh, dictator, ooh, absolute power, corrupts absolutely, ooh. But when we think of have dominion over, when when God says have dominion over, the picture he's trying to conjure up in our images here is, is not Stalin. It's not Hitler. It is the creator God who has dominion over everything. He says, I'm creating you not just to experience the kingdom of heaven, But I want you to actively participate in the kingdom of heaven. You don't simply go to the team store and put on the the fake jersey and go in the stands and, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. God says, no, no, no. Here's the real jersey. Real stitching. Real logo. Get on the field. Your quarterback, your running back, you're something else. I don't know. I'm running out of things. Middle linebackers. Free save. In other words, I've created you to participate, to walk in, to be a sort of co-ruler of sorts. And, and what does our dominion look like? What does our rule look like? It looks like God's rule. In, in God's dominion. If you're like, well, what is that? Well, I, I still don't know what that means. Well, that's where Jesus really helps us out. And, 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 and we'll get there in a moment. But what we see here is that when you have the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth overlapping, where it's just the kingdom of heaven, know what your role is. You are one that is supposed to participate and you are one that's supposed to Co-rule. You're like supposed to go and do this. And so, okay, here's what this looks like. How many of you are parents? Just raise your hand. Okay. You are, you have dominion over um, little kids. Or some of them are just grown kids and acting like little kids. You have dominion, right? You have dominion. You, God, God says, I'm giving you dominion over that. So I just want this to be real for you. That's all I'm trying to do here. Okay. Um, how many of you are stay-at-home moms? Yeah? Yeah? Like, uh, I don't know what you call that. Dominion on steroids. Or maybe you need steroids to get through the day. Like you, okay, you, you, have, you have a very significant amount of dominion over these children. Very significant. How many of you tomorrow are, are going to put on some work clothes? Now and day, that, that doesn't mean anything. Um, I dress up more than some of you people. Uh, but you're going to go to work. You're gonna, how many of you are going to go to work? And how many of you, you, you have dominion in that context? 
Now, there's a chance that someone has dominion over you, but you have, you have dominion over the work that you are given. Some of you are, some of you are in managerial positions, and so you have dominion over those people. But I just want you to get the picture here that this is real, that this is very, very real, that God has given you dominion over certain aspects. And, and husbands here, now um, forgive me if I'm getting, some of you might call it old-fashioned, I'm just, I just call it biblical. Husbands, you have dominion over the household. So in chapter 3, God comes after Adam and Eve's sin, and what does God say? Who does he call out first? Oh, Mr. Adam, not Mrs., oh, Mr. Adam. So husbands, you have very significant dominion over your household. Now, we're going to frame up very clearly what dominion looks like in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is going to help us figure out what dominion looks like, husbands or fathers, mothers, whatever, whatever area of dominion you have. But I just want you to see, we all have dominion. Amen? You've been given certain areas of dominion. And so we see this complete overlap of, of the kingdom of heaven and what our role looks like. And then in chapter 3, what happens? The whole thing explodes. And Adam and Eve choose to redefine good and evil for themselves. And, and so the picture of heaven and earth that we see looks more like this again. Look, looks more like this, like complete separate. But then, if you read through the Old Testament, here's what you'll find. Is that God is trying to bring heaven and earth together to a certain degree. Where he's trying to bring the kingdom of heaven His kingdom, whenever we're speaking of heaven, we're just talking about God's space here. He tries to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And and what does he, how does he do this? He does this through through Israel. And, And here's the way that he does it. If you read Exodus 19, he does it in in two ways. He says, Okay, here's the deal, Israel. Um, here's how my kingdom of heaven is going to come. One, I'm going to be with you. My presence is going to be with you. That, that is like aspect number one of God's kingdom, presence of God. God says, I'm, I'm going to be with you. But he says, but here's the deal, Israel. Like, if, if you want to be in this place right here, if you want to experience, if you want to walk in the kingdom of heaven, there's, there's two things that you need to walk in. The first thing I'm, is I'm going to give you all of these commandments. And by the way, if you read God's commandments that he gives Israel, you will find that they are packed with justice. They are packed with love and, and places for grace and mercy. That, that the commands that God gave are incredibly freeing. And he says, Israel, if if you want to participate in my kingdom here on earth, here's the way you have to live. But here's the other way that's very unique. Is he says, Israel, not only do I want you to keep these commands, but I want you to go to the earth. And I want you to go to the nations. These people who have no idea who God is. And I want you to show them the kingdom of heaven. I want you to show them what the kingdom of heaven looks like and and that they can jump in and participate in. And how does Israel do? Spoiler alert, not well. 
They break all the commands, and then they just constantly fail to go to the nations. In fact, they just don't even want to go to the nations. Remember Book of Jonah? They're like, yeah, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I want nothing to do with the nations. And so we go back to this heaven and earth look completely separate. And then we come to Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand. It, 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 it's near you. It's not something that you're just merely going to experience when you die. No, 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 no. It, it's near you. And Jesus is drawing this picture, but instead of Israel being this overlap, Jesus is now this, this overlap. Now, this is incredible. I just, I just noticed this this week as I was studying this passage. So that's verse 17. Do you know what happens in verse 18? Let's keep reading. While... Walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, this is, this is Jesus, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What is Jesus doing here? It's, it's almost like he's drawing us right back to the picture of Genesis 1. Where God comes to humanity and says, okay, um, I'm calling you to something unique and something distinct. I'm calling you to bear my image. I'm calling you to participate with my kingdom. And, and then notice what happens next. What does is, what is Jesus' kingdom look like? What does the kingdom of heaven look like? First, it looks like Jesus going into the earth and saying, hey, will you follow me? You, 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 you follow me. You follow me. Come, join me in the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus goes beyond that. What, what does he do next? It says, and he, that is Jesus, went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues. That would be like their, their places of, of worship. And proclaiming the gospel, that word is literally the good news of the kingdom. This is literally speaking of the kingdom of heaven. He is going and he's proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. And what is he doing? Okay, okay. What does dominion look like? What does your dominion look like? What does it look like for you to have dominion over the areas you have dominion? Jesus shows us what his dominion looked like. He went healing every disease, and every affliction among the people. And so his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds, they followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And, and so what, what, what does Jesus' dominion look like? What does it look like for him to exercise his dominion? He's going to the afflicted. He's caring for the least of these. He takes his power, his authority, his rule, and he leverages it for the weak and, and the afflicted. And what happens? 
we, we get this picture of, of Jesus. Not only is he going and saying, hey, follow me, follow me, come, come this way, come, follow me. But what we see Jesus doing is going and expressing his kingdom here and expressing his kingdom here, showing what the kingdom of heaven looks like in these very, very broken places. And so here's, uh, here's the reason why I think this is so profound for you and I. At least this is why I feel like it is so profound, at least for me, is because when you think of heaven and earth as like these two separate spaces of, okay, I'm, I'm only going to experience heaven when I die, it, it doesn't allow you to think about how you should live right here and right now like God wants you to. But when Jesus says, no, 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 here's the deal. You you are going to experience the fullness of heaven once you pass away. But, But did you know there's a way for you and I to taste and see and experience or begin to experience the kingdom of heaven right here and right now? Or, or get this, this is where it's amazing. Did you know there's a way for the people in your life that have no idea who God is? There is a way for them to taste and see and experience the kingdom of God and it's through you. It's through you. What this means is we don't sit around waiting to experience the kingdom of heaven when we die. It means that we get to begin to actively live it right here, right now. We get to actively experience it right here, right now. So what this means is you're not just a mom. What this means is you're not just a dad. What this means is you're not just a husband or a wife. What this means is you're not just some person who drives in their car and goes off to work or stays at home and raises the kids. That you are called to bring the kingdom of heaven in all of those spaces. Like, I get that you have a job description. I got one too. You have a job description. Things that you need to get done at work. Things that you need to take care of. People that you need to oversee. And God is saying, okay, but I want you to use your dominion. I want you to use your power, your authority that you have been graciously given. I want you to leverage all of that And to use it in such a way, to use your dominion in such a way that people would see the goodness of God. I just changed your work day tomorrow, friends. I just changed the, not me, the word of God here. I mean, doesn't this do, you guys don't seem as excited. Like when I came across this, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Amen? Just fake it. Yeah, Amen. And so what this means is it changes how you and I live today. That we can begin to walk in this right here, right now. And if you go to Revelation 21 and 22, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks, it talks about how God is going to make a brand new heavens and brand new earth. And, and you know what the picture is? The picture is is similar. Maybe you could even argue better than the Garden of Eden. But the picture is heaven and earth completely overlapping. 
And I think one of the things that the book of Revelation does, and certainly what the book of Matthew does, is it tells us that's the picture one day, complete overlap, but you and I can begin to walk in that right here and right now. And so here's how I want to end with our remaining moments, is, is maybe the question that you have is, okay, well, um, like you talked about this whole dominion thing, and, and, and you talked about like, like using our dominion to point people to the glory of God, but can you like get specific? Like what does this like actually look like for me? How do I like actually know how to walk and participate in the kingdom of God? And I'm going to give you two answers. I'm going to give you the short one, and then I'm going to give you, an, uh, I'm going to still keep it short, I promise. The, the short one is this. You want to know what it looks like for you to live the kingdom of God? It's really not that hard. Pick up this book and just read it. My passion for, for every single one of you. Like if someone said, what, what is the vision of the mission church? I think there's a, a few things that would rise really high. One of the things that would rise really high is every single day you would open up this book and you would read it. Because it will speak to you and it will lead you and it will guide you. And so here, here's my challenge. You, you want to know what it looks like for you to walk in the kingdom of God? For you to live out the kingdom of God? Just open up the book of Matthew. About 50, 51 times he talks about the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God looks like this. Kingdom of God looks like that. It's right here. It's right here. The hard part's not knowing what it is. The hard part's actually doing it. Or you can turn to Mark. Or you can turn to Luke. They all, Jesus just constantly talked about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So, short answer. Just read the book and it'll tell you. And maybe grab a journal and write down what, what really stirs up your heart and stirs up your thoughts. So, there you go. It looks like every single one of you are going to do this. Amen? Amen. Amen. That was still not convincing. Um, here's the not, not so short answer, but I, I promise I'm going to keep it short. 51 times, I believe it is, Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven just in the book of Matthew. I just want to look at two places to give us um, just a compass of sorts. And the first one is this. This is actually like the first place Jesus teaches on the kingdom of heaven. This is, this is his first line, at least in the book of Matthew, on, on how to walk in and live out the kingdom of heaven. Teaching number one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it look like for us to walk in and experience and live out the kingdom of heaven? Be poor in spirit. Now, I realize that sounds like Christianese. What does that even mean? The phrase that I've heard over and over again is, to be spiritually bankrupt. I don't know if you've ever been in this place where you just feel like, God, I just, I, I need you. I'm, I am toast without you. Like if, I, if, if you don't show up and work in my life today, then I, I'm toast. Jesus says, there's actually no better place to be then on your knees going, God, I just, I need you today. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. So what does it look like for you to live this out? I would just say, wake up every morning 
and get on your knees, maybe literally get on your knees and just say, God, I just, I desperately need you. And if you feel like there's, there's part of you that kind of, fig- like, well, I kind of got it figured out. I really prepared for this meeting, or I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a killer husband or killer father. If, if, you, if that thought's in you, maybe just go, okay, God, just remind me that that's foolishness and I desperately need you. It says, okay, that now you've begun to walk in the kingdom of heaven, realizing that you are desperate for God. And then maybe one of the most significant teachings that Jesus gives, and the reason why I say it's maybe the most significant, is because what Jesus says here is is like the message of all of the things Jesus teaches about the kingdom of heaven. This is almost like the summary statement of what does it look like for you and I to live out the kingdom of heaven? And he says this. He says, "At at that time, this is Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, and they were saying... Who is the greatest in the kingdom of of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. This is Jesus. Jesus sees this this little child be like me pointing out, listen, I I hear them running, but I'm so used to to kids all over the place. They don't even distract me when they run. I kind of like it when our kids are running around everywhere. It distracts you more than it does me. But I mean, just, so Jesus grabs one of the kids from children's ministry and, and, and maybe puts like the most punk kid, right? I, I wonder, I wonder, puts, puts that kid in the middle of them and says, okay, disciples, you want to know who the greatest is? Truly I say to you, unless you Turn and become. So we're supposed to become some, something here. Become like children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I love that. They're like, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus goes, well, let's just talk about getting in. How's that sound? Let's just talk about getting in. See that child? Bring him here. Put him right there. You must become like that child. What, what, is that, what does that even mean? Become like that child. And he tells us what it means. Whoever humbles himself, herself, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Starting point, you want to know what it looks like to be great in the kingdom of heaven? I want you to be like a child. But, but in what way? Not childish, like a child. He says, I want you to be humble like them. Now, we need to understand, we live in, in a culture where our, you know, our, like, our Instagram is covered with our children. It's like, they, they are the greatest thing ever. They are above everything. The, the culture back in this day was kind of flip-flopped. Very hierarchical culture. And, and know who was at the bottom? Kids. Very bottom. And Jesus says... If you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, I want you to humble yourself like this child. I want you to take all of your dominion and I want you to leverage it for everyone else. And and he begins to tell us this. This is what's amazing is he doesn't stop there. He says, whoever receives 
one such child in my name receives me. Now, this, this is funny to me because he flips the metaphor on its head. First, he says, I want you to be like this child. Namely, I want you to have the kind of humility that they have. I want you to lower yourself to a position lower than everyone else. And then he says, okay, now I want you to receive children. Okay, which is it, Jesus? Do you want me to be the child or receive the child? Well, what does it mean to receive a child? Well, if children are the lowest, pretty much the lowest of the low in in that culture, what does it mean? It means that you are receiving those of the lowest. You are inviting the lowest of the lowest. And what does Jesus do throughout his ministry over and over again? What does he do? He goes to the lowest of the lowest. He goes to the people who have no power, who have no authority. He goes to the children. He goes to the paralyzed. He goes to those who have, who, who have diseases. And you need to understand, in that culture, if you're sick, it's because you did something evil and God did that to you. That was their culture. And so he's going to all of these people, the poor, the oppressed, the orphan, the widow. It would be like you and I going to all the people on the outskirts of our society. It's going to the foster care. It's going to the overseas orphan. It's going to the widow. It's going to that neighbor that can't take care of themselves. It's going to the people who can't do anything for you. And it's receiving them. So what does it look like for us to begin to participate in the kingdom of heaven? It looks like this. First, it starts now. It starts now. Second, it means you take every bit of dominion God has given you and you leverage that in humility to serve and care for everyone else so that they will see the glory of God in you so that they will see the love and the grace and the mercy of God in you. If you and I, if you and I are going to show the world how much God loves us, how much does God love us? What did did he do? He sent his son on the cross, right? If you and I are going to show the world how much God loves us, we have to sacrifice like Jesus did. We have to serve like Jesus did. We have to take the dominion God has given us and do with it just like Jesus did with it. But here's the beauty of this all, friends is that even though our culture says, no, 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 be served. It's so much better to be served. Here's the beauty of this. If you begin to live out the kingdom of heaven, though it very well may cost you everything, there will be nothing that will bring you more joy and more fulfillment than living for God's glory. That's the great paradox, friends, that I'm not sure we get. That when we live like this, Though it may cost us everything, 
it will be a life of such great joy and fulfillment because we're living out the purpose God has given us. And so, here's my question to you. Are you living in and living out the kingdom of God right here, right now? Are you doing that? And if the answer is no, just begin to. Begin to live this out in the areas God has graciously given you dominion so that we may point people to the great beauty and great wonder of God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I know my view and understanding of heaven has been flipped on its head. I've always grown up thinking I will only experience heaven when I die and go with you. But Jesus, you have come and you have said my kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, it's at hand. And you invite us to live it out, to both experience it, to walk in it, and to share it. Help us to do that. Help us to live out your kingdom. Open our eyes to the areas of dominion you've graciously given us and that we would use that dominion like a humble child. And that we would lay our lives down to serve others and care for others in the area of dominion you've given us. Help us to live this out. And we pray all these things. And everyone said, Amen.